welcome to the Growth Through Grief podcast, where we interview individuals just like you who are dealing with their own journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts, growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and find your new purpose from the loss and the tragedy that you have unfortunately experienced. Hi, I'm Tom Pasello. I'm your host. I'm a growth evangelist. I'm also a fellow widower. I lost my beautiful bride of 19 years, Judy, a little over five and a half years ago now. My guest today is Alex Hamlow. He's a widower brother, and he lost his wife, Candy, his companion of 34 years to cancer, and that was just a short time ago. Alex was the chief commercial officer at Kron Medical, a longtime commercial executive for GE Healthcare, and now he runs a consulting, advisory, and coaching firm serving B2B healthcare leaders. To support others with autoimmune disorders on their cancer journey, which his wife Candy did experience, he started a foundation in his wife's name, and that is the Candy Hamlow Memorial Foundation. And we're here to learn more about Alex's journey and his new mission with this foundation. Welcome, Alex Harlow. Thanks, Tom. Awesome. So I'd like to start with how your love story began. Uh, how did you meet Candy? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thank you for this conversation. Candy and I met in Southern California at an Irish pub restaurant in 1989, February 17th, 1989. A bit of the backstory there. Ironically, neither of us were plan, planning to go. We, we actually, I was with a work colleague. She was with her sister. Um, it happened to be the 17th of the month. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks of St. Patty's Day. Well, for me, it turned out my friend who was an Irishman, um, I'll leave his name out of this, but let's just say his last name was McVeigh. He was, uh, he, I learned that on the 17th of every other month outside of March, you know, all these folks that are interested in the IRA and Northern Ireland, et cetera, go to the Irish pubs and eat oysters and, and talk shop. So I didn't know that. that's where I was dragged to. And uh, it turned out that uh, Katie's sister drug her there, knowing that she was looking for, I think, a good Irish bloke herself. And <laughs> and so uh, so she ended up there as well. We um we both were kind of minding our own businesses. I was being pummeled in darts by these uh, Irish, you know, ringers. So I was having to go over and pick up the tab at the bar. And I kept going by this lovely little lady who seemed to be talking to this quite older man. And I just kind of was looking and wasn't sure what was going on there. Anyway, a few minutes later, we're getting ready to sit down to eat. And here she's in front of me again. And we struck up a conversation. Uh, They were leaving. I was heading to eat. and Mm -hmm. She just handed me her number and said, hey, I'd love to talk to you later. And a few days later, um, we we just met. Um, We spent... The first time we were together after that, we spent like nine hours just talking. Wow. And that started what was just an amazing friendship, a real, a real uh, development of a soulmate that I had nearly 34 years with. Oh, that's amazing. Tell us a little bit about the life that you built together. Yeah, well, ironically, it almost didn't happen. Um, within just a few months of meeting her, I actually had gotten a work promotion, you know, young in careers, his early 20s. And um, that work promotion included me moving from Southern California out to Solon, Ohio. Hmm. 
and um, with the potential promise of another promotion to follow, but didn't know timing, et cetera. And she was a Southern California girl, grew up near Disneyland, had all her friends, all her family, everyone local, had actually never really traveled. And here I was, you know, out of my own since 17 and, and all that. For me, it was just another adventure. <laughs> so I went off hopeful, but not knowing. And lo and behold, um, that, that work transfer actually ended up being relatively short um, in corporate America, even back then, particularly in the 80s. It was buyouts, mergers, and move on. So yep. just a few months later, um, they sold the operation in Ohio, and I ended up moving. And I had the opportunity to go back to California. And she was actually a big part of that, but it wasn't Southern Cal, it was up in the San Francisco Bay Area. And that actually created a, a tough one because she um, she came to the Bay Area to, to be with me, but uh, had never left home. She was 21 at the time <laughs> and it was tough and it was really tough. Um, didn't Almost didn't last a year uh, before she went back and she was actually planning to leave and something stopped her. Uh, we were, you know, we were committed, but we hadn't committed yet. Mm -hmm. It was just one of those moments uh, for us, and we had several of these, that just um, said, if we're in, we're in, we're gonna do mm -hmm. that, but we're not gonna have doubts. So she stayed, and we ended up um, spending almost three and a half years together before we actually got married in November of 1992. That, um, that uh, started us on that journey, but we were both, you know, budding career professionals, moving fast. Um, and in 1998, I had the opportunity, as did she, to get um, job uh, transfers back to Southern California, which was kind of a promise, get her back to close to her family mm -hmm. and such. So we did that in 1998, chasing those careers. And we were on that uh, pinwheel. I don't think we had probably had more than, you know, a four-day vacation, you know, since we had been together. And then in, in roughly 2005, um, we had a huge scare. And the huge scare was essentially, we thought Candy was having a heart attack. Her left side was going numb. She was tingling, all the classic symptoms. And um, we were in the, landed in the hospital and it was for four, four days before she finally came out with a diagnosis that was ultimately multiple sclerosis. And it was amazing because she was truly already a walking miracle. With multiple sclerosis, it's, it's, it actually means multiple scars, which is a brain, an, an autoimmune disorder of the, in the brain that uh, your nerve endings essentially you know, eat away and they become dead spots. And of course, we're a big electrical system that, you know, transmits all everything we do via this electrical system. And hers was being shot out. She had a, nine lesions in the right side of her brain. Should have been blind, should have been, you know, impaired, but instead just had some mild weakness on her left side. Uh, but what that did is it changed our outlook in terms of what it meant to live together, to be <laughs> together, the appreciation of each other. Um, we had been married, and and it, it's kind of crazy. We had been married about 13 years and had never gone on a really, truly proper extended holiday together. Mm -hmm. And so from that day forward, we said, what are we saving everything for? A future that may never happen, 
um, let's live fully. And we did. And I, I, I am so grateful for that. That was one of those moments, you know, in time that you can't, you, if it would have went any other direction, I believe, one, our relationship wouldn't have been what it was. Mm-hmm. I also would say that that recommitment to each other also led us back um, to a deeper commitment in our faith. It wasn't just about the world and about work and about money and status and all those things. Mm-hmm. It was about something more, something more purposeful in life. So that also started that journey for us, which again, I think was has been a lifesaver for me. And I think it, uh, it allows us to, allows me to move on, but also allowed, um, unfortunately, uh, our less than happy ending together to actually be, um, dare I say it, you know, a blessing, a, a wonderful, a wonderful yeah, certainly more peaceful, right? Because you had been through this scare before. And I think that recommitment's important. I know that many of us, as we look back at our relationships with our late wives, a lot of us have regrets. There is resentments that kind of build up. There's issues that occur. And many of us didn't have that recommitment opportunity that you had. Not that I'm sure you would wish it on anyone, but that was really special that you guys had that. And you kind of knew that you put the orbit that you two had around each other as being the most important things in your life, as opposed to the orbits that many of us put in place, those around our children, those around our careers, whatever else it might be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a great point. I mean, and it's a natural thing, right? The world kind of puts us there and Mm -hmm. it's about um, status and stuff and excitement. And, you know, let's be honest, like, what can I do that others can't? How, how much can I, you know, you know, experience, et cetera. Yeah. But for the sake of what? Yeah. And, um, I, it was, it was a blessing to be able to recommit, but it was that mutual recommitment, not just to each other, but to purpose and faith as well, that, that really carried us through ongoing hard times. Yeah. MS, her inability then to work full time over, over the next couple of years. So the career ending, but then a shift and a change and using her other talents and skills for purpose. Yeah. It was just ended up being a joy for her life and actually made her much happier and us much happier in the end. Yeah. And then Candy had another tragedy. Tell us about that and how you eventually wound up losing her. Yeah. So we had actually been working through uh, tests at the end of 2021 you know, MS is a is a difficult uh, disease condition to deal with. Um, she had relapsing remitting MS, which means essentially that it just comes on and you don't know. And the thing about MS is that it could just be a bad day, or it could be a full blown new lesion that's going to you know paralyze you. Yeah, you don't know, and you don't wow. know right away, even during the event. And so she had had a couple of what they call breakthroughs where. Um, she, she had bad days that turned into lesions that caused a little more um, pressure toward disability, a little more pain, a little more weakness, et cetera. And so we were working on medication changes. And it's uh, every medication for these kinds of diseases comes with strings, mm. comes with some sort of side effects, et cetera. And over the years, the things that we learned was that many of those side effects actually have some mental um, impacts, um, Mm -hmm. depression or mood or these kinds of things. 
So she was very diligent about one thing um, that she lived, and that was being able to daily choose joy. Mm. No matter what was happening, no matter what she was feeling, she wanted to be able to consciously and be able to express the joy that was really her heart. Mm -hmm. She didn't want any medications or anything like that inhibiting that. So we actually changed medications over the years as any of those things occurred. So just a different sense of not just efficacy of a med, but what are those side effects and how does that yeah. help you, your real passion, right? And so in doing so, um, we were working on changing meds. She was going through a bunch of tests to ensure the med that she was going on was going to work right. And, and ultimately, in January of 2022, as part of that testing, um, we ended up uncovering um, a very aggressive stage four metastatic uterine cancer. Oh, my goodness. We have, there's no way to understand this other than um, it was, she was relatively asymptomatic. She really hmm. didn't have any pain. She didn't have any issues uh, per se, other than she was premenopausal. So she had typical, those kinds of things, but nothing. Mm -hmm. And so getting that diagnosis and finding out that she had three very large tumors in her pelvic region, um, the largest of which was 11 by eight inches. Wow. Say that again. 11 inches. inches. We're not talking centimeters like it's normally measured. Wow. She also had two others that were smaller, but still significant, sort of baseball size. Wow. And so big. And this was the metastatic part of it. It had gone outside of her uterus into her cavity, her pelvic cavity. And so chemo right away, we were blasted immediately with another big change in life. Mm -hmm. And forget the MS medication now. It's all about the cancer, the more imminent, uh, urgent risk. Future, yeah. The, the amazing thing, though, is um, while going through that difficult journey, um, she did extremely well. And by May, uh, we had a great oncology team. Uh, we had really strong um, counsel. And I'd been fortunate to have been in the medical industry for 30 plus years. So mm -hmm. lots of friends and network. And every test got double checked, triple checked, you know, had my biotech friends that are have done the human genome project and are in targeted therapy with, you know, all these different therapies, et cetera, giving, given all kinds of great insight. Mm -hmm. So we felt really, really well prepared and, and the surgery in May was super successful. Everything was removed by the end of July. She was clean, meaning no tumors. There was obviously some remnant from obviously the cancer getting outside the uterus, but no metastatic disease beyond the just slight stuff that targeted therapy was expected to take care of. So at the end of July, we were done with chemo and we're on this targeted therapy that had been recommended by our oncology team, a specialty gynecological oncology team, the best in Southern California. Second opinions from Mass General at Harvard, including mm -hmm. the pathology of being sent and Memorial Sloan County. Wow. So we had yeah. a the plus best of the best. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and they're like, you are golden. And by, um, by early September, uh, we were talking about, you know, the possibility of remission, just mm -hmm. a few more scans, you know, and then we could extend it and, and things look good. And in mid-September, um, we'd traveled because I had done an Ironman race. I'm also uh, an athlete. And we... Um, while we were at the race, she was having some GI distress, which was unusual. Um, but, you know, post-surgery, we're just, you know, kind of wondering what's happening. And 
And so we go back home and uh, we, had, we had a scheduled pet, which was our normal rhythm was going to be October early. And our oncology said, well, let's just do it a little bit early. So at the end of September, she went in for a follow-up PET scan. And we got the results immediately uh, the next day. And all of a sudden, she had a new additional four, four and a half by three inch tumor that had grown in back into her pelvic region. And this is after removal of, you know, radical hysterectomy yeah. and all the other stuff. She still had a new, brand new growth out of nowhere. Um, and the symptoms of the GI distress was because it was essentially wrapped like tentacles around her intestines. And so um, while we were trying to figure out what to do over the next couple of days, other than stop that therapy that obviously was not working, like I said, all all these uh, experts, they're still practicing medicine. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's something that you, we don't think about, but medicine is a science that pe- we practice and we learn. Mm-hmm. Cancer is so much better researched, so much better understood, but it's still a practice. Yeah. And we just don't know everything. So, yeah. And Alex, cancer is, there's a lot of widower brothers that are nodding their head that thought their wives were in remission, me included, mm-hmm. nodding their heads like it's a vicious disease. You know, mine, my wife's breast cancer came back as a separate glioblastoma brain tumor. Right. So, yeah, relentless is the only word that I like to um, use. Yeah. And, and the, the thing that I was looking at was thinking, as long as it's not metastatic going outside of her, you know, uterine pelvis area, we're, we're mm-hmm. okay, which hadn't happened. But, man, this tumor was there. And that one did. Yeah. So three days later, after learning that, um, severe GI distress, and we, we just said, called her oncologist, she said, just bring her down to the emergency room and we want to get imaging. Yeah. We want to see exactly what's going on. And four days later she was gone. Wow. It had perforated her bowel, mm-hmm. created a massive infection. And I would tell you the the most um telling point here and it and it leads into you know my, my passion now. The most telling point was that she was so strong and so so uh, determined that um we went in for emergency surgery to clear the infection and mm-hmm. clean her up. And that was successful. So successful that over the next couple of days, she actually cleared the infection. Wow. But the left side of her body began to die. Hmm. Her MS affected side. So her autoimmune went bananas. Wow. Immune disorder of MS, like mm-hmm. went to overdrive and just began to eat the left side of her body in order to save her life. Yeah. When she went and into it, surgery. Oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah. I was going to say, and as you said, that kind of led to the mission of the foundation. So I definitely want you to talk about that too. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's important for me to share this a bit though, because mm-hmm. while it was sudden and it was so fast when, when this was happening and she was going into that surgery, you know, we were, we were talking and we were, she had the option. Like, do you want to do this? Do you want to not go further? Because, you know, there wasn't much more they were going to do other than try and clear the infection that the cancer was there. It was. Yeah. It was wasn't going. going. And um, she asked the oncologist, she said, do, do you think you can, this will work? And her oncologist said, I, I'd love, to, I'd like to try. Mm. And my own, the only response my wife gave 
was okay. Um, and she just told her oncologist that she loved her. Hmm. And she trusted her. Yeah. And our conversation was very simple. Um, it was all right. Um, either you're going to wake up and see me or you're going to wake up and see the Lord. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I know I want to wake up and see you, but I know. And she uh, went off to surgery and she, as said, she fought through and beat the infection, but with her body um, withering and, and that it was, it was also her choice and her, her want that if she couldn't live with that full joy um, and she was done here with all she yeah. could do, that she wanted to be able to peacefully pass. And so she, she gave me that choice, meaning <laughs> I didn't have to watch her suffer. I didn't have to um, have them ramp up pain meds, none of it. Mm-hmm. She was able to clear the infection, therefore her body was beginning to be at peace. And so as we pulled off additional meds and pulled off additional things, she was very peaceful. And in the end, um, we pulled everything away so that she could just be naturally uh, at peace and had mm-hmm. a quiet environment, you know, not everything blaring, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And um, for the next several hours, she just was with us, with me, and my sister was there. My sister's also a, a critical care nurse, um, but she was there and she was just very peaceful and she got calmer and calmer until she breathed her last, but it was in arms and it was, it was not, um, no distress, no pain. She actually looked more youthful. Yeah. uh, It was just an an amazing thing. I, I, so that was such a gift and it was a transference of her heart and joy to me during that. And Alex, there are so many widower brothers, particularly through COVID and COVID loss that have not had that gift. I did have that experience too. And it's traumatic, but there is a a comfort that comes from knowing that your last breaths were spent together. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about the foundation because it relates to autoimmunity and and cancer. For sure. So over the next two weeks following her passing, I... I spent time actually with her oncology team and mm-hmm. also with her neurologist, just, just um, trying to understand not would we have done anything different, but what do we really know about mm-hmm. what Yeah. And what I've learned is a few things. One is in the end, first of all, every cancer patient is on an individual journey, mm-hmm. regardless of how much we know, regardless of all these things, it, like I said, they're still practicing. And in the case of Candy, this underlying autoimmune disorder is what made the difference. It really Mm -hmm. did. And and that targeted therapy was never tested on anything but clean, if you will, patients with endometrial cancer. It wasn't tested against somebody with an underlying condition. So Mm -hmm. it didn't work. It may have actually exacerbated Mm -hmm. the progression of disease. So you would never know that. But more importantly, she's not the only one with this circumstance. I learned from her oncology team, that it's something like 10%, between five and 10% of those patients newly diagnosed with gynecological cancers, which I specifically say gynecological cancers because those tend to be, for lack of a better way to say it, the killer cancers. 
Mm-hmm. There are higher mortality rates yep. versus the breast cancer or others. Mm-hmm. And um, now we're reaching uh, to a point where more than 50% of the female population as they go postmenopausal have an underlying autoimmune disorder of some type, maybe minor, but something. And we just don't know enough about this. So the foundation is designed to help women specifically who have been diagnosed with a gynecological cancer or one female cancer who also have an underlying condition. They, there's no way today for them to simply navigate the system to connect the specialty pharmacists and the specialty clinicians in a natural way these are always specialty groups. They're not necessarily in a connected health system. Mm-hmm. Difficult to find your way. It's very technical, right? And so there's lots of resources, but nobody connects the dots for them. So the foundation is, uh, our first project is launching to actually connect those dots. I have uh, women who are her friends and also clinicians on the board of the foundation really driving um, the need. And for me, it's a passion to shepherd it with my healthcare mm-hmm. network. But um, in the end, it's it's very human, and it's not about trying to change pharma or the clinicians. It's really about serving the people and trying to help them find joy in the journey and love through that. And and that's what Candy would want, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah, and being that Sherpa, that guide to connect these dots and give them the resources they need all in one spot. I love that. Um, What I'm struck with, Alex, from the first time that we talked is it hasn't been that long since Candy's passing at all. And you seem so at peace. Um, Talk about that. Yeah. Well, you said it a bit earlier. I was was very blessed and fortunate to have those peaceful moments at the end and be with mm-hmm. her. That, that, ha- that is absolutely part of it. But going back with our journey together, it, it really is and was um, my relationship with God, but the faith that both she and I shared and in the absolute assurance that this isn't the end. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's an eternity uh, beyond this world that we'll be together. And her purpose was served here. And as I mentioned earlier, going back to, you know, now more than a dozen years of, of living in the present with her and in that purpose of truly finding um, the best of every day, the best of we could mm-hmm. through all circumstance, um, allowed us to make choices so we didn't have any regrets. We didn't have oh, I didn't have at the end any of those thoughts of I wish I would have, I, or what have you, et cetera. Yeah, what it could have, should have. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have any of that. And the other thing that she did in, in those last days is, is as we were going through this news, it was extremely painful. But there was also this, um, her intentional giving of her heart to me in a way that I can't really describe. Like, it, it almost makes me feel like I'm sounding like a, I don't know, some sort of guru or whatever. But the reality is, is I really felt a transference of the lightness of her heart, mm. the, the joy in her heart. And she absolutely wanted me, no matter what, not to be upset, not to mm. be angry, not to be, um, you know, melancholy about it. She mm-hmm. really 
reminded me of how amazing the journey we had and that she was okay. And then the other thing was, is um, she had um, an absolute clear desire even about her services. Hmm. It would be a party. It would be a, it wouldn't be a memorial, mm -hmm. sort of sad remembrance that she wanted to have Candy's party. And so mm -hmm. with our faith and with our deep reverence for, for respect and the Lord and all those things, we still, she wanted it to be a mimosa brunch <laughs> nice. a celebration of her life. Yeah. And so we were, we did it respectfully and in, in the context of, in the context of a, a faithful service. But at the same time, we also had a champagne brunch for those who wanted yeah. to drink. And, and it was part of that initial healing of knowing that that was okay. And then the clear purpose of the foundation to be able to step forward in that very quickly. And, and I will tell you, the Lord, the Lord cleared that path. I, I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but at every moment I needed to figure something out, it came to me or, or I got an advisory or a friend or, mm -hmm. or I just found the right thing and it made it simple and easy to do. So I was able to get it started up, cleared, 501c3, all of that within just a couple of weeks. Yeah. And frankly, um, all those little things um, and, and being able to serve immediately a real purpose and bring her family in. She has uh, two sisters, a brother, and nine nieces and nephews. And to bring them all in together as well.